listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Keelguard Studios. Aaron, here we go, man. We are uh, on the cusp of a 4th of July weekend. Happy Independence Day to everybody out there, and welcome to another episode of Bass Edge Radio coming to you from the hilltops of Table Rock Lake. I remember that, Aaron. The hilltops of Table Rock. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, I can't see the hilltops of Table Rock like where <laughs> I'm sitting right now. So That's right. But we are on the shores of Lake Amistad in Del Rio, Texas. Man, it's great to be back on the mic with you, Aaron. How are you, my friend? Well, I am doing great. And as always, Kurt, I uh, want to just throw out a big uh, shout out to MegaWare Keel Guard. Been with us since day one. Our friends there with uh, the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the Flex Step, the Skate Guard. Be sure to check out all things MegaWare for all of your boat protection and personal watercraft needs at keelguard.com. Kurt, I am actually getting ready to, uh, as soon as we get done, I will be heading to Alaska to go salmon fishing wow. uh, for the next seven days up on the Naknek. So obviously I need to go way north, different species, because can't catch a bass, evidently, <laughs> at Truman. I, I, I was looking at the standings, my friend. I was uh, I was a little taken back. I know you were excited to go over there, but uh, you did let it all hang out there and... Let's admit, you know, even off the air, you said it was great to be back out on the water. You haven't been able to spend a whole lot of time there this year. No, uh, you know, in the 30 years of fishing kind of at that competitive level this year has been just because of uh, work schedule, other commitments. I've had to put that on the back seat, uh, but that's OK. I did get to spend a full week of practice from Tuesday on, uh, hang out with all of the boys, Els uh, uh, to Derek Felton to uh, Chris Bunk to, uh, you know, all of those guys. And want to throw out a shout out to Derek Felton because he got it done. 18 pounds, first time on the lake. Came in, and uh, I don't know, I think we had 179, 189 boats, something like that. I didn't see the final number. It was a big field, though, a big field. It was a big field for Truman, and, you know, found some really good fish in practice, doing my thing, exactly what I said in the last interview, staying shallow, uh, throwing a frog, uh, flipping uh, shallow bushes. The water was coming down about six inches per day, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but that's how it was kind of how it was won. So I, I don't feel bad about that. It's just it's one of those times, Kurt, to where um, I just didn't get it done. And uh, so learn and move on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's always fun. As you mentioned, you know, we, we got to keep it real. Right. I mean, being out on the lake is is the battle here. In some cases, you know, especially with a lot of weekend anglers and, and just trying to get out there and, and enjoy the process. Sure. I know you caught plenty of fish throughout the, the days that you were there ahead of the event. And um, and that's what makes it worthwhile, especially sure. even the shout out to the to the guys, you know, hanging yeah. out with the guys at the lake is always fun as well. It was. So, and you've got it's, one it's, coming up. I do. Man, I'm on the cusp of New York right here and uh, Lake Oneida, the Bassmaster Open, the second stop of the Northern Open Swing. So uh, excited about that. I've got a lot of history there with uh, Oneida. been around the block on the lake, and uh, it's always a complex, changing fishery. So uh, we'll see what, it, what lies ahead. You know, they had a crazy cold winter up there, and then, you know, it's been hot like, like it has – everywhere it's it got hot pretty quick and the steam factor is on 10 right i mean it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's been warm everywhere yeah. so well i wish I'm you looking forward to it nothing but the best there looking forward to hear how that goes when you get back and you know while we're kind of on the tournament subject i know that's not what we're all about here at bass edge but you, you've got to look at uh, nick lebrun back to back brandon lester kind of sneaks in there and then we've got uh kind of a angler of the year race across all three circuits. Yeah, we do, man. Wheeler's got a little lead over there with the BBT, and uh, they've got a few events left. You got Polinick really shaking up the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year standings. He's sitting on top of that. And then you got Josh Butler, a little bit of a newcomer there, on top of the uh, Angler of the Year standings with the Pro Circuit. But, man, I got to give a shout-out to last year's AOI of the Pro Circuit, Michael Neal, man. I think he's uh, four out of five top tens this year. He's sitting in second place. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. You know, breaking down all this stuff, I I love Brandon Lester's win. You know, that was his first big major win. He kind of came over the hump earlier this year at, uh, I think it was Lake Toho, won an open event. Now in the same year, boom, he wins the – the Elite Series event on Pickwick. You already mentioned the back-to-back with LeBrun on the pro circuit. Not to mention prior 
to the back-to-back. You had him second place at Ross Barnett in the Bassmaster Central Open, and LeBrun also finished in the top 10 at Lake Pickwick. All just because he was on Bass Edge Radio. Unbelievable, man. This guy right now is on the run of runs. You know, one of those rare times that you see in the sport where a guy really just gets the mojo going, yeah, you know, has the, yeah, man, he's the afterburner. He's, he is really lighting it up, man. And, and it's cool because he's doing it a lot of different ways. You know, he's, he's caught some fish deep there at Gunnersville to win. He, uh, you know, threw a swim jig shallow at Ross Barnett had a spot more or less at the James river that really dialed him in and, uh, kind of fished like he does, you know, back home there in Louisiana, bouncing crankbaits off cypress trees and, and the like. So, uh, really neat to watch, man. A lot of fun stuff going on in the tournament world uh and uh you know we're kind of into that area where we're going on these northern swings everywhere not only me but but all the tours headed up there to the north you got champlain coming up on the pro circuit you've got the elite series going to st lawrence and then they're going to be hitting Oahu later on this summer so we're going to talk about that in a future episode but yeah but but lots before of before we of head north why don't we take a west coast swing kurt and uh i think you've got somebody teed up for us it's I can't wait to actually talk to We do, man. Loving these Seg Bs, these new portions that we're sticking into the shows and the episodes. And uh, a lot of fun here. Hang tight. We're going to chat with some new JDM lures on the market with Matt Pano of Optum Bait. Y'all hang tight right here on Bass Edge Radio. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, there's a guy who stays on top of some of the latest up-and-coming companies out of Japan. We're fortunate to have him on this episode of Bass Edge Radio, the owner of Optimum Baits and distributor of several Japanese manufacturers here in the USA as well. We welcome Matt Pano. Matt, thanks for dropping in with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to the show. I'm glad to be on it with you guys. Well, Matt, we're glad to have you. And for loyal listeners of Bass Edge, dating back now 379 episodes, Kurt often talks here on the show about the IMA family of lures you distribute, as well as the optimum swim baits that uh, you produce right here in the USA. But today we dive into some extremely new lure and a brand that is beginning really to, uh, pardon the pun, make some waves here in the USA market. First, let's dive into the manufacturer madness and the lure you're selling here here in the USA called the Balam. Gosh, I've seen those YouTube videos. What an extremely interesting fishing method. Please, you know, tell us about the Balam lure and the figure eight technique that is uh, unique really to what I would consider bass fishing. I've seen it in the muskie before, but once fish are attracted to the lure. Yeah, so a little bit of history on the Balam. It's a uh, three-jointed swim bait with a soft silicone tail. It comes in a couple of sizes, a 245 millimeter and a 250. So that's, you're looking at an eight inch bait and a 10 inch bait. And they're designed, uh, they're floating baits predominantly. We have the sinking version as well, but uh, predominantly to be used on the surface. And it's a different approach for your traditional hard swim bait, which is more of a glide bait. This jointed bait is designed to be fished fast. It's a straight reaction style swim bait. Uh, which is not your norm. You know, most of your glide baits are used to cast out and methodically on a straight retrieve will glide back and forth, depending one foot in to two feet to three feet on a glide back and forth, whereas the ball is designed with all the different joints just to burn as fast as you can, fishing near structure, whether you're fishing bluff walls, cliffs, trees, over grass. But, it's you know, it's strictly reactionary where you're fishing as fast as you can. You want to use, a, you know, the highest speed reel you can get which typically will guys will use like an eight to one the Daiwa tatula eight to one is a, is a the 300 series is a perfect uh, reel for it because it allows you to fish it so fast the fish will see it 
and they react to it and they'll beeline it right after the bait. And uh, a lot of the times they'll hit it on the retrieve. And if not, they'll, um, with the curiosity, they'll run all the way to the boat or to the shore. And then the more popular technique that guys are catching them on is uh, the figure eight or the eight trap where you're doing that eight motion at the boat and the fish are going nuts. It's, it's insane to watch them. There's a switch that goes off in the fish in the bath and they're just like trying to just kill that bait. It's an extremely fun method to catch big bass with the bow on. Matt, you know, seeing the videos as, as uh, Aaron mentioned before, that, that kind of, you know, triggered our interest to get you on the show and talk about this a little bit more. Now, you know, you talked a little bit about the real fast pace retrieve, critical, obviously probably a clear water situation or clearer water situation is, is great for this type of technique. But what about rod setup? Are you, are you using like a softer style rod? because you're winding so fast so that when the bass does explode either on the retrieve or when you're working this figure eight technique that it that it's got some give to it yeah the balam is uh you know it's i think the 245 is uh four ounces and then the 300 is six ounces so you need a rod that's a heavy to extra heavy rod that's got a softer tip because when you're doing the uh, eight trap and the fish are hitting it you only have a foot to two foot of line out when you're doing that eight trap. So you're going to need something with a little bit of give, you know, when it hits right there. But uh, you do need a heavy to uh, extra heavy rod. I want to encourage everyone to check out the the YouTube videos and they can find it there at Optimum Bait's YouTube channel. That That's right, Matt. Yeah. No, just yeah. go to our YouTube channel and, and uh, or just uh, do a Google search with uh, the Madness Balam Swim Bait. And uh, the designer of the bait, Kazuya Shimada, in Japan, he's a one of the most well-known swim baiters in Japan and also in the world now. But um, he used to have the Japanese national bass uh, record. It was 19.15. He cut that in 2003. And nice. then it was uh, obviously broken a few years back out of Biwa. But um, now he, uh, he's got some awesome, awesome videos in the Japanese lakes, Lake Ikahara and uh, some of the other lakes. And they are clear water reservoirs you know they're not trout in their in their waters but they're their native uh japanese bait fish whether it's ayu or wakasagi or uh, heta which is kind of like a, a carpish uh bait fish but uh no check out his videos they're they're amazing they will open your eyes to a new way of catching trophy bass on big swim baits because it's not your norm where you're fishing slow for all those guys out there and there's a lot of us that you know we throw swim baits all day long looking for that one big bite, you know, right. and it's frustrating at times when you'll get these followers and, and, uh, because of the drawing power of these big baits and, but they'll just freaking, you know, turn away at the boat and, uh, you don't get them, but with the ballon, that's how it basically came about where, how do you catch these followers and, and get them to trigger and, and get them to bite it. And that's where that faster retrieve, you don't give them the time to think they're just in a kill mode and in the action. And, yeah. In the just straight reaction. It's, it's amazing. But uh, yeah, do a YouTube search on the bomb and, and the videos are amazing. shimano has got tons of videos going back to 2016 when he released the first version of this bait. Um, and obviously all the videos are in Japan and, and you'll get, well, our bass don't do that here in the States. And uh, which is, it's is, uh, you know, you're just not used to fishing it that way. And they do do it here. So we did uh, last, in the springtime, uh, we went up north to northern California and fished some of the lakes up there. Deep water reservoirs, clear water uh, with a lot of submerged trees, a lot of walls. And, and we created our own video. You know, we were catching spots up there, but they were reacting the same way. It was amazing. And, and uh, it was just a fun, fun way to fish a big swim bait. Yeah. I, I want to mention, too, about that. You know, you got a lot of live scopers out there, people just enthralled with with that technology and taking this method of fishing to a whole new level. Right. You you get the fish to react to the fast moving lure. The balam is coming to the boat quickly. You can actually now see the fish behind the bait with the live sonar out in front of the boat so you're you're able to point the sonar toward where you're working that fast moving lure the balam's coming back to the boat you're seeing the fish on live scope so you know even if you don't see the fish that now you can use that figure eight technique to get that fish to react and strike by the boat whereas previously maybe we wouldn't have known those fish were following the lure now taking it to a whole different level with the live sonar as well in with this fishing technique yeah for sure and that was uh 
this spring, you know, that was actually my first experience using that uh, technology and seeing him on the grass that they were following the baits, whereas before, you know, you couldn't see him with your naked eye. Where there was, uh, you know, the water clarity is just not that clear where you can see him. But no, that you're right, uh, Kurt, that technology has, you know, allowed us to just see the fish on the graph and then continue the eight trap and then, uh, you know, they'll follow it. You'll see them on the graph, and then you're, you'll do the eight trap. And once you get going with that commotion right there at the surface, then they freaking just get that switch on and and, and react. And, and, and it's it's funny though. Typical, you'll do an eight trap and, and you'll do it once or twice, and then you give up. However, what I really learned uh, this last trip is you can do that technique for a minute, two minutes, and they finally go. I mean, you'll be tired, you know, physically tired <laughs> right. of going back and forth. You know, if you watch some of the videos, they'll hit it two minutes into it. It's just insane. Wow. And then you get them one fired up. And if you have two or three followers, all three of them are, will be going. It is, it's, it's insane. You know, that's crazy. That is crazy. Well, you know, Matt, I've also seen another one of the Japanese brands you're importing begin to really gain some traction in the market of recent. And, and that is the depths from hard baits to plastics. What are the top selling items in this brand and what makes the lures more effective than other lures in their class? Um, yeah, Depths is another brand that I do import. We've been doing uh, that brand since 2005. And it's uh, Depths is a powerhouse in, in Japan. Um, they're definitely within the top three uh, brands over there. They have a, a vast assortment of different items. But, um, you know, from the big bait scene, the slide swimmers, you know, we have them all the way from uh, the smallest one is a 115 all the way up to the 250. That is, uh, you know, amongst the swim baiters, the slide swimmer is the number Friends one swim, right. <laughs> swim bait out there. Um, you know, it, it is unique, whereas it's a uh, hard ABS plastic and it's got a soft silicone skin over it on that jointed uh, glide bait. And that does extremely well for us. You know, as far as some other hard baits, we have like the Buzz Jet has been a staple, which is a big wake bait. Got good drawing power, got a prop in the back that throws a lot of water and a lot of noise, a lot of commotion. We just released an Evoke Zero, which is another top water bait. That does extremely well. You know, and then they've got, uh, as far as like hollow body frogs, we have a Slither K and a Buster K that does well. There's a lot of guys out on, uh, you know, either MLF series or, or the elites that like that Buster K and does in Slither K that do, does really well. Um, lead angler, uh, Kenta Kimura is the designer of those baits. He's uh, stepped up onto the scene and done well in the elites for the past few years. Now, more recently, we've been uh, importing a lot of their plastics which depths is very, very strong. We just now started to really penetrate the U.S. market with the plastics as the yen got a little weaker versus the dollar and it allowed us to bring in some more plastics. At a, Price still point that's effective, on the right? Up, exactly. They're still on the upper end of things, but they are very effective in some of the plastics that we've been releasing that have done well here are the bull flat, the um, cover scat, and the Sakamana shad. A few years back, um, one of the Japanese anglers that uh, fished the opens, Masayuki Matsushita, he actually won on Rayburn fishing the Sakamata, which is a uh, soft jerkbait style plastic that's got wings on it to help for balance in the hollow falls. But that's really opened up a lot of anglers, U.S. anglers here on the depth plastics. And then recently, uh, the cover scat, which is a very unique profile shape. It looks very, just like a piece of poop. However, <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> that, that, that thing is crazy, dude. You know, I, I've seen the cover scat and uh, we actually had the little rabbit, you know, work extremely here at Amistad. Matt, uh, obviously set us up here, the youth anglers with the uh, pro bass camp that I do here at Lake Amistad. Um, both absolutely caught the fish. And I think a lot of the youth anglers were a little surprised how effective they were, <laughs> man. I, I got to say that cover scat, you could throw it anywhere. You could throw it on a bluff. You could throw it in the grass. There's a lot of different unique ways to work that lure. It's kind of a heavy plastic, so you don't need weight. You know, you can throw it no. uh, weightless, but yet still work the bottom or work, you know, bottom bouncing cover type situations, man. And uh, it's definitely, you know, very unique. If you're looking for something different, you got to check out these manufacturers, you know, 
madness, depths, a lot of the things. You, you go to OptimumBaits.com. You'll be able to really peruse all the JDM manufacturers that Matt imports, some of them specifically unique. And uh, we all know that being unique in the bass fishing market can prove effectiveness in catching fish. Would you agree, Matt? For sure. No, it's, uh, they definitely have their own twist on different versions and shapes of plastics and, and they obviously have a lot of different techniques because of their pressure lakes that they come up with and, and they're very very effective here as well on um, that cover scat like you said it is a heavy bait the three and a half inches i think it's like a little over three quarters of an ounce so you can literally i mean you can spool your reel with that thing you can cast it you know like you're fishing a top water bait i mean and and because it's so heavy it stays down you know and, and you're fishing with a you know depending upon the size of the bait a 4-0 offset hook and it'll get down there and you're fishing on a lot of slack line and it's basically when you're working the bottom you're just kind of like you're walking the dog underneath the surface on the bottom with that bait and it just uh because of the way it flutters and the way it stays down it's a very effective bait wow well matt great stuff we always like getting the inside scoop and a lot of that seems to come in from the west coast and certainly for those who haven't watch that interview be sure to go to the youtube channel and matt maybe you could give uh, listeners one more chance of, of where to find that as well as all information that we talked about here today yeah everyone can go to optimumbaits.com we have uh, five or six different japanese brands as well as the optimum and double a brands there you can uh, peruse our site and uh, we've got uh, all the information the colors listed different uh, tips and techniques that you can uh, find on all these plastics and all these hard baits that we offer um, OptimumBase.com. Thank you guys very much for having me on the show. Well, Absolutely, great. Matt. Great to have you here. Up next, y'all, here we go. We got the featured angler spotlight coming up right here on Bass Edgery. I am MLF DPT Angler Dakota Ebert. I am BASS Elite Series Pro Brock Mosley. I am professional angler James Nigamine. This is Bass Pro Shops U.S. Open Champions Logan Parks and Tucker Smith right here on Bass Edge Radio. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Here we go, breaking down a tournament win in a seasonal time of year that begs for cooler water tamps and good current, the dam. We've seen it come into play so many times in winning patterns and just flat out fish catching fun. This angler recently won the Bass Pro Tour fishing a dam, so who better to break down this cover or structure uh, for successful bass angling? Welcome to the show, MLF BBT Watts Bar champion, Ryan Salzman. Pleasure to have you on Bass Edge, my man, Ryan. What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much. Just uh, doing a little guiding and getting ready for the next event at Stage 6, uh, Cayuga Lake. Outstanding. Chance to go back-to-back. Back. You going to pull a LeBron on him or what? Man, it was so crazy. I was talking to my buddy. I was like, you only get so many times to go back-to-back back in your career. I said, it'll be really cool to do. And then LeBrun does it. And I was like, man, that's amazing. You know, it would, it would be pretty cool to have two back-to-back. Back. Well, Kurt likes to take credit for every time that an angler is on Bass Edge Radio. Uh, he, he has ownership with Nick. So, anyway, we'll see what we can do for you, Ryan. But, we, but before we Are jump... Are you his handler? <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's his pilot. Before we jump into the future, let's talk a little bit about the past. Ryan, big attaboy for the BPT win there on Watts Bar. Overall, how has your rookie year been on the BPT Tour, and does it feel any different than any other events you fished in the past leading up to your qualifying last year? Man, it's it's kind of, it's been a year of highs and lows and learning. For me, the first event, 
I bombed along with a lot of other great anglers. Darbone was a very, very tough fishery, and props to anyone who figured that puzzle out. Lake Fork, I went and pre-practiced and felt very comfortable there. Lake Fork, to me, felt like a Tennessee River lake with standing timber, and I kind of clicked with it and had a great tournament there. And then we came to Smith Lake, had a good one, kind of was I got the experience that um, bubble boy making the cut, not making the cut. I was the first man out. Just I was in, and then like three minutes ago, Jesse Wiggins caught a three and a half, four pounder and bumped me out. I was like 21st. And then uh, fast forward to Ozarks, had a great day one. I was like kind of on a big fish pattern around uh, docks and marinas. Had like four fish for 17 pounds and lost a big one. Probably could have 20 something for five. And then day two, I never put one in the boat, so I blanked on day two. And I kind of learned a really good lesson there. You can't play too risky in the BPT format because you have to have more than five to seven opportunities like, you know, the five fish format. Sure, sure. So that brings us kind of to Watts Bar. So after learning that lesson, it's kind of shifted my perspective on how I wanted to look at Watts Bar. I said, I want to just find a, a bait and a technique that gets bit all over the lake. And I was guiding a lot on Pickwick Lake and what have you and kind of led up to figuring out what I did there. That's cool, man. I, I like the breakdown. How about the inside feel? You know, like, you know, it's 80 anglers. Uh, a lot of those guys really close knit, been in the industry for eons, some of them. Right. So how about that aspect? Of it? Have you felt kind of a little bit different in hobnobbing with KVD and some of the other true legends that are still participating in the sport in that respect you know it takes a few tournaments to be you know just being around those guys to build familiarity and comfortability just like any workplace right it just so happens that these are your heroes and your idols so i feel like it's just now towards the end of the season i've gotten to be more comfortable but yeah they're just like any other dudes they're they're fierce competitors and the biggest thing is they've all been really nice and there's it's been a warm welcome i mean there's there's been no kind of animosity or, you know, how there's like like rivalries and you just feel yeah, yeah, like yeah. everyone's at each other's throat. There's none of that. It's just, I feel like it's a big family and everyone wants best for all the anglers. And uh, but as soon as you go on the water, you know, we're all competitors and Absolutely. they hope you zero. But uh, cool, cool. That's that's a good, good insight to that. Ryan, we've seen dams coming to play for a good bit of summer tournaments through the years and, and other times of year. Obviously, your win. Hank Cherry utilized the dam last summer to win the Bassmaster Classic. Toyota Series Championship there on Pickwick last fall, one near the dam. What makes the dam on any lake a great place to fish? Well, I think, you know, it kind of goes back to the basics of fishing. You you, just, you have habitat and you have uh, bait fish. And then when you have both of those, I think it naturally attracts fish. And the, the benefit of a dam is there's moving water. So it's like a conveyor belt for fish once they find the good habitat or structure they can kind of sit there and food comes to them so it's kind of a perfect scenario for fish to live and grow well and let me preface this next question ryan not necessarily from uh, the civil engineering perspective but in your opinion are all dams created equal you know you have two types of dam environments you have the face of the dam or the tailwaters of dam what do you look for to put time in on a dam at a particular lake Man, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, I think the biggest thing is going to be time of year. So in the summers, the high sides of the dam typically to be better, tend to be better just because they have deeper water over them, right? So Makes when sense. it's hotter, they can slide down deeper and escape the heat. During the summer, during the low side of the dam and the tail race, they tend to become more nocturnal feeders. And you can go up and fish a dam like all day during the day in the summer and have, you know, catch a few fish. But if you went out and fished the same exact place at night, you know, where you caught 10, 11 pounds during the day for a five fish limit, you might catch 20 to 25 pounds at night. And Ryan, do you think that has to do with because of generation schedules that, and and I'd like to get both of your, Kurt, your opinion on this too. You know, we've probably seen certain lakes tend to reduce generation perhaps during the day, or maybe it's more sporadic. Do you think that also plays into it? Not for the summer nocturnal feeding thing. That is a pure heat-based, yeah, I think it's just a heat-based feeding thing for the dam that I've noticed over the years. I, I fished a lot of night tournaments when I guided on Pickwick Lake and I went to college over there. And it's just definitely a nocturnal thing. That's when they want to feed during the summertime. I feel like then during the day, they're just kind of hibernating, most of them. And you think that's because there's more current on the low, you know, obviously in the tail race? Think, 
versus the. I don't upper think that has to do with current at all okay. in the okay. summertime. As far as what I'm getting at is the feed windows. Gotcha. It has nothing to do with the current. It's just they're just like it has to do with their circadian rhythm in the summertime when they want to feed. Um, they feel more comfortable at night because it's cooler, right? Now, current during the daytime plays into feeding tremendously. But I'm just kind of making that point to say during the summertime, dams aren't always as good as they are during the cooler months. And you kind of got to figure out which place it, of the dam you want to fish, the low or the high, and if it's even a player during the summertime. Because, you know, most of the time the dam's fishing, it, it's one during the spring and the fall. But if you have a big tournament in the winter, dam's always a player too. But gotcha. the summer is kind of that weird window where you got to fish it and figure it out. Because the winning fish may be there, but they may not be even active. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, now, I, I can say, you know, obviously I live down here at Lake Amistad, and uh, the dam's a big player here on, on this lake. And the one thing that you said that seems to be prevalent, at least here on a consistent basis and other places I've been, is the bait fish orientation. Once the summer heat really takes hold, you get a lot of fish starting to suspend. Something we saw similarly there at Watts Bar, right? They're kind of suspending on the face of that dam. Here at Amistad, a lot of times they'll suspend a little bit off the dam on the ledges or you know, structure that's associated with that deep water around the dam. How important was that aspect to your Watts bar win, you know, as far as the bait fish orientation and what do you feel like the bait fish do in changing conditions that you're able to capitalize on with your experience fishing dams? Well, it really depends if the dam has current or not. Um, so does Amistad have current on the dam, or is it just like a wall? It's just pretty much like a riprap wall, similar to like what Hank Cherry did at uh, Ray Roberts, that style of dam. So we don't have like current generation, obviously, like right. TVA. Nobody's got current generation like TVA, right? But sure. uh, may- maybe so you got think- it on the Kusa or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of rare in that scenario from a general lake perspective to have the Hey, I think we need to, the reason I'm asking that is I think we need to differentiate for the listeners that when we're talking about dams, because the way we were kind of attacking it is we're making it sound like dams are all the same. That's correct. And they're not. That's yeah, they're not. No, when you're talking about Amistad, really, in my mind, that is just a great place of structure. Now, the TVA and even Florida lakes or locks and dams, the reason they're so special is because of the current. And it has the structure, and it has the bait fish. So it's like its own animal. Now, not that dams down there are lesser than. It's just I think fish are more concentrated at these areas. It's definitely not as expansive. I just remember going to Louisville, the dam down there. I mean, it's miles wide, right? Yes. Yep. Right. And these things might be a half mile wide. You know, the place I was fishing, it's 200 yards wide. (laughs) Hundreds of fish in this 200-yard stretch. So the current is what really focuses the concentration of these fish, and that's been my experience mostly, just fishing the current-generated areas below the TVA. And I've even done it a little bit in Florida when I've gone down there and have had success. When you talk about current, are you focusing on seams or just the face of the current? When you're working, like you said, two different styles of dams, right? You got current-oriented dams and then like a Smith Lake-type deal, you know, you mentioned there, or Amistad-type deal, where it's not necessarily current generation. It's just deep water in an area, kind of more fishing the face of the dam, right? Yeah, so Smith Lake does have current. I don't know if if you guys watch Connell's win. The way he won was very, very similar to the way I won, except his okay. fish were about 30 feet deep. And they suck out of this one place. And where they were sucking current, the minnows were getting sucked there, and all the spots were stacked up there right in front of the turbine. So he was dropping a drop shot down to those fish. But it kind of circles back to your original question with the minnows. During the summertime, they'll start out about 5 to 10 feet deep in the morning. You'll just see them kind of suspended down there. And as the sun gets higher and higher, and I think this has to do with the way they feed on the plankton, the minnows begin to come higher and higher to the surface. And what happens a lot of time in the summer, you see schooling activity. And that happens later in the afternoon because the minnows get higher to the surface. And then the bass take advantage of the fact that they're pinned to the surface and they come up and feed on them because they can't really escape. So that, that was kind of what was happening to me at Watts Bar. My bite got better later in the day, right. mainly because the minnows would gradually get closer to the surface and then they would kick on the generation later in the day so they're on the surface and then when the current kicks on 
the minnows that were on the surface got sucked up against that wall where the bass ah, were already living. Gotcha. So it just was triggering a feeding frenzy. Very unique situation. And I, and I think like I was mentioning before, you know, Amistad, you see some of the same thing. We don't have the we, – of course, you know, I, I would assume every dam has some current, right, um, because water goes out the other end mm-hmm. <laughs> for, the, for the river to flow. But but obviously there are some that, that generate much more current than another. And in this scenario here at Amistad, very similar to what you saw there at Watts Bar is the, the bait fish will congregate around the dam. And although they're not getting pushed kind of up against the face of the dam like they did in your scenario there at Watts Bar, they just come up and feed. And as the day progresses, the bait fish move closer to the surface. And then all of a sudden the bass start schooling different times of the day when they start really jamming on those bait fish. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to break down the different styles because obviously listeners are all over the country and you got lots of factors going on with how to be successful fishing around a dam so man i appreciate you helping us break this down this is a fun topic and we're going to power pull down for a minute we're going to dive into more issues about the dam right after these message with mlf bbt champion ryan salzman patented in 2000 perfected over years of testing and real world punishment the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool swift PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bassedge presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with MLF Bass Pro Tour angler Ryan Salzman in this episode's featured angler spotlight. Mercury Marine, go boldly. Ryan, before the break, we talked a lot about types of dams, current, non-current scenarios, face, tailwaters, all kinds of stuff. Let's break down some of your most successful techniques that you'll use. Let's talk first about the face of the dam. What kind of techniques, similar to what you did there at Watts Bar, do you find you know generally successful for you? So I call it the high side of the dam. It's basically where the lake ends. And they're sucking, you know, down to the other lake where it begins the new uh, river or right. tailwater. So the best lures I've found there are a topwater, a fluke, a spoon, a swim bait, and a drop shot. So basically everything I listed there is suspended bass fishing. Um, and then once again in the winter, I think an Alabama rig would be phenomenal. I haven't done much of that fishing, but it just kind of fits the bill, right? So, yeah, I think that those are kind of the techniques I look for. And then how do the techniques differ for when you're fishing around the tailwaters or the, or what what you would like to call the, the low side of the dam with a lot of current? How do you work lures effectively without just breaking everything off? So I think it takes a tremendous amount of skill to be a great tailwater fisherman. It's not as hard to go to the high side of the dam and figure them out because it's kind of like you got this thing in front of you. You can see the fish and it's almost like let's call it a ledge spot where there's fish just stuck there and you're just kind of rotating through baits trying to figure them out. The tailwater, it can be a one mile stretch of rocks and current, or it can be a seven mile stretch like at Pickwick of rocky scenes, current scenes, bluff walls and whatnot. So you really have to put some time in fishing, you know, below that dam in all the different current situations to really figure them out. So I'm going to say time on the water is the first thing, but you know, the, the best thing I can pass on to the viewers is if you're doing that, to keep, you know, the, the effective baits in your hand. And that's going to be a jig. It's going to be a swim bait, a top water, and a shaky head. So if you can keep those lures in your hand and then, you know, move around that one mile to seven mile stretch um, and just figure out what those fish are relating to or eating and, and even the timing of it. Because, for example, if they're pulling 20,000 below a Wilson Dam on Pickwick, for anyone listening, I say 20,000. That is cubic feet per second. Um, you can get online and kind of look what that means. That's just the how to define the amount of water coming out of Wilson Dam. Now, for reference, we look for about 40,000 to 60,000. That is a good, a decent amount of current coming through that I kind of look for to spark fish in the feeding. A lot of current starts once you get above like 80,000 to 100. I consider that like a high volume. And then once you get above 100, you're looking to a flood scenario. So something else that you want to look at for if you're going to do this is find the app that shows you the amount of current flowing through the dams near you. You know, on the Coosa River, you mentioned phenomenal dam fishing down there, a lot of spotted bass and stripers. They have Alabama Power. 
And then up here, you're going to have TVA Lake Info. So you, you want to download those apps and monitor the generation schedule. Very cool. That's valuable information. So basically, you're looking for 40,000 plus to turn it on. What I mean by turn it on to really have some major effect on fish feeding behavior. When it gets to 80 to 100, do you feel like that that's like, okay, I need to move down lake a little bit? Or do you still feel like if you can hold and play the damn game from a tail race perspective, then you should try to stay up in that zone. I, I won't leave a dam until like the water, like they're pulling like 200. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So, um, in the 40s, kind of like just a kind of a rule of thumb, so to speak. Right. You know, any influx or change in current can spark a feed. So, like if they're pulling 15 and they jump to 25, they can start feeding for a minute, and vice versa. If they're pulling 25 and they're kind of used to that, 25 will get them going. You know, you takes an increase, 25 to 40 might spark a, a feed. So. Great stuff. Now, now we're talking mostly on the tail water, I assume there. What about the upper, like you call the upper section of the dam or the, the face of the dam? Do those current changes on the tail race side affect also feeding behavior on the upper side as well? Absolutely. And if anyone watched the last day of um, the coverage for Watts Bar, you'll see there's a period where I just start lighting them up. And Wheeler's ahead of me by about 11 pounds. And I right. caught them and they got ahead of them by a fish. And that was because they cut this one generator on. And when they would cut this one generator on, it would suck the current in such a way across the face of the dam that the fish would start schooling. And I was just having a ball catching these schooling fish. I was so, right. so excited, having fun. That's cool. And all of a sudden, in the third period, they turn that off. But they're pulling the same amount of cubic feet per second, but they switch generators. So what happened was it repositioned those fish, and those fish weren't schooling anymore. So I had to make a decision to switch techniques there. But they and that's when you went it. to the drop shot, right? Yes, when I went to the yeah. drop shot, because yep. that was kind of my go-to when they weren't coming up and feeding to you know, pitch it along the wall and, and hopefully pick one off that pulls up a little deeper to feed. But it's a great talking point because the dams, you know, on the low side or high side, the feed changes depending on which generator they pull. It's because it depends on how that water's shooting across the rocks. So it all depends on how that current hits the rocks and where they position. Very, very interesting. There you go, man. That's some detailed juice right there. I like it. All right. Well, let's let's talk real quick about first I want to hit on you know, seasonal behavior patterns. You mentioned in the first half of the interview, I think it was um, wintertime, you know, is a great time to fish the dams, obviously A-rigs, those kinds of things, and and, and cooler water. Uh, summertime, you like more of the nighttime. From a tournament wind perspective, when do you see those things kind of adjust from a seasonal behavior pattern? If a Bass Edge, you know, weekend anglers out there wanting to put some time in on his local dam, when is the best time of year for him to be there and, and try to create duplicate success like you had there at Watts Bar? Um, I think really any time of year you can go have success. Um, in the summer, I'll kind of go through the seasons and kind of just throw some patterns out to him. In the summer, you want to be there as early as you can in the morning and then again late in the evening, and you want to look for top water. In the fall, I'm also going to be having the top water, a fluke, an A-rig, a swim bait. And then once again in the winter, you're going to be more towards the A-rig and a jerk bait. I mean, the best time is in early spring pre-spawn when the fish are starting the stage and they're feeding heavily. Mm. So the, you'll find your little deeper holes at the dam and there'll just be groups and groups of fish and their fish are coming to you because they're coming there to spawn. They're coming there to feed and get ready to spawn. So it is by far the best time of the year to go fish a dam is in the spring. However, at the same time, everybody knows that now and <laughs> you have a lot of pressure. Right. So. That's where kind of, you know, the better you learn it, the better you can catch them. Yeah. And Ryan, your responses to this entire interview got me to thinking, what makes you or other anglers on the Bass Pro Tour so good? You know, success in the industry is widely known. Have have you put your finger on it since you've been around that accomplished group of anglers, you know, this year, and then certainly, you know, posting your win and now going for, you know, another one? Yeah, there's a few things that, I think make a great angler, you know, they're all phenomenal anglers. So the biggest thing is there is a certain way of thinking that every angler on that tour has, because even though we're only 80 guys and we, we can't get any information, we all still find the same exact things. And it just tells me that to be successful, there's definitely a certain way, like our brains naturally think a certain way. And I think 
the way I kind of explain it to my clients when I guide is, you know, anyone that hunts, you know, there's hunting dog breeds and there's dog breeds that don't hunt. I think most of these anglers are born with an innate ability, instinctual ability to find these fish. It can be learned, but I think there's definitely an instinctual quality to every angler. And then on top of that, what makes you know anglers able to win is their mental side of the game is being able to stay positive make decisions even though something's going bad you know one decision can turn your whole day around so being able for me it's being able to stay positive and in the moment and thinking it cast by cast and fish by fish and try not to worry about the end outcome awesome man i, I gotta take it back one more question to uh the damn scenario although that was a great listen that was a great question aaron but how about boat positioning dude you talk about you know you'll you'll fish it as long as you can possibly stay up there and and work a tail race or or work the face of a dam no matter the current scenario man how do you work boat position what are you looking for to be successful with fast moving current and how do you continue to concentrate on the ability to fish effectively when you kind of have that safety concern as well break that down for our listeners just so that if they attempt this they get the salzman 101 on boat positioning so if it's your first time going to the dam definitely wear your life jacket and then if you're 800 feet or closer to the dam you have to wear your life jacket if you're in the swift water definitely take your time getting up there if it's your first time going below a dam look on a map the best thing i tell you to do find a satellite image where the water's drawn down and look for really high rock piles and then mark those on your GPS and avoid those because that is the number one safety thing is not hitting the shallow rock. Now, once you identify those, you want to go up to the dam, you know, run up to the swift water and then drop your trolling motor, let your boat kind of start drifting with the current. So you kind of hit terminal velocity. Terminal velocity means your boat is moving at the same rate of the current. Like you guys are one. And then once that happens, you know, your trolling motor's down, keep your nose pointed into the current. That is the best way to control your boat. You don't want it sideways, perpendicular. You want it into the current and parallel with the current. And once you've done that, you can hold at a spot if, you, if your boat, if your trolling motor is strong enough. Or you can kind of, I call it bumping the trolling motor. You kind of might be, put it on five and hold for a little bit. And you kind of gives you a little more time to fish through a set of rocks. And then you let yourself drift to another little pile or whatnot. So a lot of times I'm going to be bumping the trolling motor, you know. Good information. And obviously not as much to worry about if you're on the upside or the face of the dam. Obviously, there's current scenarios and gaps and that kind of thing, but uh, not as uh, wild. But I did notice at the Watts Bar event that you got real close to the face of that dam and and necessarily uh, enabled to target the fish correctly. You were right dead nuts on the wall. I was. And I I do want to put a safety disclaimer out. Um, We tragically had a, um, it was a a father and two sons pass away on Pickwick Lake um, because they actually got sucked over the high side of the dam. If they are ever spilling the water, never go close to that dam. I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to go to that dam if they're spilling water. Spilling means the spill gates are on. And those apps I told you will tell you if they are. And when they are, you'll actually see a huge mist too. When you look at that dam, if there's a huge mist over it, do not go near that dam because it can be um, life-threatening. Very good. Very good uh, disclaimer there and great safety work. I, I remember a scenario similar to this was a uh, uh, Alabama River Bassmaster Elite Series event they had several years back. And, and a lot of guys were running all the way up the Coosa and or all the way up the Alabama River to where the Coosa was falling in. And um, Jared Miller got got kind of in a precarious situation up there. He ended up being okay with some major boat damage, but uh, definitely something mm-hmm. to be very, very careful about. So so great point there. Ryan, man, this has been a lot of fun. We, we've got a segment with the Nitro Performance Bass Boat listener question. This question comes from Francisco Rangel. He's out of Central California. Francisco asks, what are your best three summer techniques for Highland reservoirs? Ooh, this is a great question. So it, I love it, though, because it, it kind of plays into the techniques that we've been talking about. Um, sure. Highland reservoir fishing is almost identical to fishing the high side of the dam because it's just deep water, right? I want him to have a top water of some sort, a swim bait of some sort, and a drop shot. 
And the key is finding, you know, the right top water and then the right swim bait. It might be a finesse one. It might be a 2.8. It might be a six inch. You know, in California, they really, they'll key in on those hitch. You know, seven, eight inch swim baits are not an issue. Um, the eight inch mag draft, I know is a really good one out there. And then the drop shot, put a quarter ounce drop shot on and, and a little four and a half or six inch robo worm, and I think you'll be good to go. Good stuff there, Ryan. Thanks for answering Francisco's question. Pretty open-ended question, but uh, great advice and, and certainly uh, ties right into what we've been talking about this whole interview. Francisco, we need one more thing from you, and that is to be sure to log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information and your address, uh, and let us know that you heard Ryan answer your question, and we will get your Midway USA gift certificate sent directly to you to where you can buy all things fishing, even if you're into the shooting sports. They Basically, they have all things outdoors. Continued reminder of Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions the show via our website bassedge.com simply click on the ask the pros tab or comment on our facebook or instagram page to have another shot at winning the midway usa gift certificate right here from us at bass edge radio well ryan i gotta say it even though i'm gonna get totally ridiculed for my daughter but uh thanks for being on this damn episode of bass edge radio and she will accuse (laughs) me of making a terrible dad joke right there but any final (laughs) thoughts for our our listeners man um just thank you guys and I really appreciate it. Anybody that watches me, you know, may may notice my fun Hawaiian hat with oh, my yeah, hang yeah. symbol on it. So, I was going to mention that. You need to get a signature hat going. What's the brand of that hat again, Ryan? So it's it's made by Shaka Kai, and um, I do work with them. It, it kind of all started out with I used to film a lot with Mikey Balls before I was on the professional tour. And Mikey always wore a Hawaiian hat. So I, showed, I, I found a Hawaiian hat because I always like play pranks and have fun <laughs> right. i bought this hawaiian hat and showed up and filmed with him and uh it was a lot of fun and then shaka kai reached out to me and were like well thanks for the plug and they sent me some free product and then i followed up with a proposal to him when i made the pro tour and they loved it and we've been working with each other ever since cool man very cool i'm gonna i'm gonna look for the salsy edition right that's that's kind of the nickname running the running the street salsy right <laughs> yes sir that's my nickname <laughs> we got got to get the salsy shaka kai hat going so uh, i'll be excited to see it when it hits i guarantee if when it hits i'm the first purchase i'll, I'll buy one as soon as i see it available so uh, i think it's a cool deal love the little uh floral uh arrangement with the what what kind of what kind of hand signal is that on on the shaka kai hat it's hang loose symbol hang loose symbol yeah yeah, it's cool stuff man ryan it's been so much fun having you on the show uh especially enjoy the knowledge the breakdown of the dams obviously and just summertime wintertime all aspects of fishing that that people can enjoy catching a lot of fish around the dam oftentimes i think in many parts of the country a little bit ignored obviously there in your part of the country it's it's a staple on the TVA, Coosa River Chains, but uh, I think it can be effective all over the country as well. So I appreciate all the tips and techniques. Best wishes for the remainder of the BBT season and Bass Edge Nation. Hold on right there. Aaron and I will return in a jiffy. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Kurt, the glide bait, swim bait, 
I don't know what how you want to classify that, but the Balam is uh, something very unique that we heard Matt talk about, as well as then I had no idea when you get into you know the Madness Manufacturer, then you've got Depths. Uh, all of the things that he talked about was very, very interesting and informing. Yeah, man. Let, let me tell you, the Japan market, Matt knows it. Like most people probably don't know fishing in general, but <laughs> Matt knows that market. He speaks fluent Japanese, so uh, he, he's got the beat on everything that's going on over there. And, of course, he's always bringing the, the cool, latest and greatest techniques. And like he mentioned in the interview, Japan bass super pressured. We're seeing that a lot here in the U.S. as well. And, you know, different techniques get bit. And if you can get ahead on the forefront of different techniques, different styles of fishing, you're going to get ahead on the forefront of catching bass. So uh, that's the cool thing about what Matt's going on. So I encourage everyone to keep uh, checking out what he's doing over there at OptimumBaits.com. But uh, talking a little bit more about the Salsy interview, man, Brian yeah. Salzman bringing the goodies on the uh, the dam. What what what's your take on that? I don't think we've ever done an episode on just talking, you know, an entire episode about the dams and both the upside of, of like Ryan called it and the the low side or the you know the the face or the the tailwaters. Um, very very informative. And I got to say, I th- I think we should get a Shakakai hat sent to us. Yeah, yeah, I would love to have one, man. That's a cool looking freaking hat. If you haven't seen that, you know, obviously you can check it out on anywhere. Obviously, since he won the event, all you got to do is just like Google Watts Bar Ryan Salzman and uh, you're going to see the hat on his head and uh, he sports it all the time, dude. It's not just like a, a thing. It's 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 like his style, right? Right, it's, it's right. Like his, He's kind of got that mojo, too, where he's kind of happy-go-lucky, always kind of chilling. But, you know, being all those things, dude, he brought some technical info to the game as well today, right? Empirical data. You know, I, I think it all comes back to it's it's not guessing. It's not, well, we think, you know, he flat out says, this is what I do. This is why I do it. He talked about the difference with the turbine, one turbine kicking on, then the, it's shutting off and having to reposition. Uh, the guy knows his stuff, and certainly the results show that. Yeah, man, a lot, lot of fun chatting with him. So uh, it was great to uh, hear another just, you know, daggummit, Aaron informative episode of Bassett Radio. You, you know, you've, you've, you've joked before about how we do this for ourselves, but man, if we're not asking, and I agree with that, you know, I'm, I want to learn, I want to be a better fisherman. If you don't have the fundamentals of the game down, you're not going to be good at the game or you're not going to excel at the game. So it's always important to uh, reap some of the fundamental basics of the game, but also have some additional tips and tricks. And I, I think that's what makes our podcast unique is that we both are very avid anglers and that we, you know, get a little bit deeper with our questions rather than just scathing over a technique, but trying to ask some difficult and intriguing questions to get to the real meat of the fishing game. Right. It's a performance-based business and hopefully uh, over the years, and we will continue to do so as long as uh, the demand is there. But, you know, it's it's about putting more fish in the boat and uh, all of the anglers bring a, a uniqueness to that. And I love diving off into, okay, what are you thinking? Why are you doing what you're doing? Not just saying, because a lot of times people don't think about, right? They, they just uh, are successful and they think that's just how it's done. But being able for them to articulate that, I think it, uh, it, helps bring our uh, IQ up along with it. Well, Kurt, one thing I we should have done before I leave as I get ready to leave for Alaska here shortly is we, we needed to do an episode on Lindy rigs and three-way swivels because that's probably what I'm going to be doing. And so anyway, that just sounds, I'm sure, glamorous. Well, for after you. you learn all about it, you can bring your knowledge base right back to the podcast. Okay, I, I will do that. And I'm sure that'll go uh, about with about a dime of how you can buy a cup of coffee. So... <clears throat> Anyway, all right, well, we digress. Been fun. Enjoyed hanging at the mic with you, Kurt. Safe travels on uh, all of your many trips. Good luck with the upcoming camp. Um, any closing thoughts? Man, just excited about being in New York, excited about some cooler weather, excited about catching bronze back. 
So that's what summers are made for, particularly July and August, because generally the greenbacks get a little tough down south. So always love coming up here, wrangling with the uh, bronzeback, smallmouth. are just a ton of fun. And, dude, I'm not ashamed of it. No, I love it. no, no. And uh, <laughs> just good luck with those mosquitoes that are the size of doves. So anyway, <laughs> hence your last name. All right, for that's enough of us. Hey, Bass Edge Nation, thank you so much for spending time with Kurt and I here on Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to stay on all things Bass Edge through our social media channels and certainly the website. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.